Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at Cowboy Junction Church Online. We're sure glad that you did. We hope that today's message will encourage you and challenge you as you connect passionately with the word that God has specifically for you. Would you do me a big favor, rate, review, and subscribe to this message. Also, I wanna let you know that if you would like to connect with Cowboy Junction, get our text messages and with encouragement and announcements, you can do so by texting the word CONNECT to 575-209-2770. You could also rate, review, and subscribe. That sure would be helpful to us. If you would like to partner with Cowboy Junction in the spreading of the gospel by financially giving, you can do so by going to cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. I hope you enjoy the message. And I have a question. Why are we even here? For those that are firm in their faith, I just want you to know that today is a day that traditionally every year we stop, we pause, and we think about the main thing being the main thing. For others in this room that you would be in the, the category, I believe, but I, I like Jesus, I like the people that Jesus hangs around, but I'm, I, sometimes I just don't get it. I think you need to know you're in a safe place. That is something that we have uh, embraced around here is the freedom to ask questions. And when I was growing up, if you had any questions about faith, Jesus, growing in God, the Bible, whatever the case may be, you were just simply told is you need to have faith. And that's a great answer. That's a great answer. But I hated that answer. I grew to despise that answer because I really was looking for the right answer. Like, give me an answer. And it was bigger than faith. Teach me something. And today we're going to stop and we're going to pause and we're going to look at what makes today the main thing. What makes today so special? And to be specific, let me just stop and tell you that we're going to look at our faith. And I want you to take a look. Do you believe in Jesus because you go to church? And if you do, I hope we challenge that today. And I, I hope you stop and say, do I believe in Jesus because my mom or my dad believed in Jesus? I, I want to challenge that today. Maybe you may say, I believe in Jesus because we live in a corner of the Bible Belt. We live in the last hole of the Bible Belt here in southeastern New Mexico. The buckle of the Bible, the, end, the, the side plank of the Bible Belt. We live just in the corner, just enough for the, everybody will turn to you and say, well, you've got to believe in Jesus. Why? I don't know. I don't know, but you've got to believe in Jesus. I want to challenge that today. And I want to give you some real important answers and the whole reason why Easter is a big deal. In fact, let me stop off by, by telling you this. The people who tell us the story of Easter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were convinced that he was who he said he would be, that Jesus was everything he said it would be. But can I tell you something? Sometimes we don't stop and ask, how come these guys believed in Jesus so much? Was it his teaching? And let me just jump off real quick and, and tell you something. It wasn't his teaching. It was not his teaching that convinced them that he was the Messiah, Jesus everything God promised. And some people, that blows your mind. You're sitting here thinking, oh, well, wait, then that means the Bible needs to be questioned. Let me tell you this about the Bible. The Bible has absolutely no credibility if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. In fact, let me show you what did change their mind. It was the resurrection. 
that convinced them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter. Paul from interviewing Peter. James, in fact, let me, let me show you some of the men that, that, that had everything to do. In fact, let me make this statement. This is, this is from the bean standpoint. The, I can't make this statement for everybody, but I want you to hear something that the bean family believes, okay? If you don't know who the bean family is, I'm Ty Bean, okay? I'm the pastor of Cowboy Junction Church. I'm so glad you're here. But the Bean family believes a statement. I just want you to hear this. It has a cringe factor, but here it is. We don't believe that Jesus, oh, we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead because the Bible says so. It has a cringe factor. Let me tell you, it has a cringe factor. There are people here like, whoa, now I don't know if I like this church anymore. Let me explain. Just because the Bible says it doesn't mean that it holds weight in a lot of people's mind. Until, everybody hear the until? Everybody say until. until. The resurrection. The resurrection takes place. Until Jesus is actually who he said he was, does it give valid validation to the very Bible you hold in your hand? And the reason why you can trust the Bible, not because Matthew wrote it, or because Mark wrote it, or because Luke wrote it, or even James wrote it. I'm going to get to these guys here in a minute. You can't trust them until you can trust that Jesus rose from the grave. And when you believe, and when you're, it's settled in your heart, and you know that the resurrection was real, that's when everything else gets validation. In fact, let's talk about these guys. Matthew, who wrote one book of the four Gospels, who also gave his life, many believe gave his life for the very thing he wrote. Matthew, who also marked, followed in the same suit of Matthew. Mark interviewed every person who was there and his experience as well, and saw the living Savior, and he gave his life for what he wrote. Even to his death, they said, denounce Christ, and right now tell everyone what you wrote was not true. And he says, I can't do it. I saw him with my own eyes. He was dead, and we saw him alive. Luke's an interesting figure. Luke is a doctor who does research and decided that him an excellent Theophilus is what the guy's name was. He, Theophilus who paid for Luke's journey. And Luke and Theophilus decided that they, someone needs to go interview everybody. Who do we need to interview? Everybody. Everybody who knew him from his birth, through his life, through his years of teaching, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, everybody who was there, we need to go interview him. And Luke, Luke was the one who traveled everywhere and everyone who had a first-hand revelation who was there as a shepherd and said, I was the one working sheep that night. And the night that Jesus was born, angels showed up and this angelic choir filled the sky. And not only that, but other shepherds, old shepherds now, as they came in and said, it was the darndest thing you ever saw. The whole sky filled up and Luke documented everything. Luke documented every message Jesus ever preached. He talks to people who were there, but Luke especially leaned in 
and wanted to know who was there when Jesus gave his life, and he asked the question, was he dead? And everyone gives validation. Luke died, Jesus died. But then we were there when we went to the tomb and it wasn't there. And we were there when Mary came back and told us that he was gone. And we were there when he showed up. And for 40 days after he, he rose from the dead, he visited us and he talked with us. And Luke starts off the Gospel of Luke writing Theophilus, saying, my most excellent Theophilus, I found that all of their testimonies are true. They all are in alignment. And everyone, some even, gave their life for what they saw. But my best example of whether the resurrection was true or not, and this is a big deal, for everybody in the room that you're here because somebody invited you, and now all of a sudden, this is kind of interesting. Can you believe that Jesus rose from the grave? The most, the most interesting figure is the man by the name of James. You know who James was? I've got it written down here so that we're crystal clear. He was the half-brother of Jesus. Half-brother due to the fact that they shared the same mother, Mary, but James's father was Joseph, and Jesus' father was God. So it made them half-brothers. Can you imagine what it would take to believe your brother was the son of God? Okay, let's think about this for a minute. What would it take for your siblings to believe that you were the son of God? Yeah, I mean... And James is an interesting figure. In his writings, he says, I did not believe. This is Jesus' brother. He heard the teachings. He heard the testimonies. He heard the stories. Every December, quote, unquote, I mean, tongue in cheek here. Every December, Mary would call them all in and tell the story about when Jesus was born, and James was sick of it. James would have to hear all the time what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was up to, what Jesus taught on today. And quite frankly, Jesus was sick of hearing about his brother. And he says, I didn't believe. So what changed James's mind? Can I go, just skip forward and tell you, James became the pastor of Jerusalem. James also died by the hands of people who stoned him to death. And to his death, he said, my brother, Jesus, is my savior, and you can kill me if you want to, but I saw it with my own eyes. What did he see? Jesus wasn't in the tomb. And Jesus came back and visited James. For 40 days, he taught all of them. And my question, and this question I want you to start asking, what changed James's mind from being anti-big brother to he is my savior? It was the resurrection. That's why today's such a big deal. So for everybody in the room that you struggle reading your Bible, is it real? Is it authentic? Is it something that we can trust? Is it something that we can apply to today's age? Because it was written 2,000 years ago, and some parts of it is older. I turn to you and say this. What gives the Bible credibility is the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. The same thing's true when you pray. And you say, can God hear my prayers? Is God even real? The fact that we can know that Jesus rose from the grave and his resurrection proves that he's everything he said he was and everything he taught about prayer becomes real at that point is the very fact that your prayers matter. Who you are and the decisions you make in your heart 
In fact, Scripture tells us this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means just being able to turn to someone and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is real. That's, that's one good thing. But if, when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's when you will be saved. And so I'd like to fit in the second part of that incredible statement. Because I think that for some of us, we can confess with our mouth, but it's actually believing in our heart that the resurrection is real. And today I'd like to take a look at just exactly what was said. Do you know that without the resurrection, Jesus was, just would have been a rebel rabbi? And there was a bunch of them. There was people who taught some amazing things. There was people who were amazing teachers and pastors and rabbis, but they're still dead. They died. Jesus was the only one that did exactly what he said I would do. He would do. He would become sin for the world, go to the cross, die, and go to the grave. But three days later, rise again. So let's talk about these people that we brought up a minute ago, okay? The Matthews, the Marks, the Lukes, the John, the Pauls, the Peters, the people who gave their life for the gospel and gives to us the evidence that it's very real. I'd like to do something fun. Instead of it just being my words, I'd like to actually take the words these people wrote, okay? And I want to examine them. Don't get bored today. It's not going to take long, okay? It's going to be something that I want to kind of slow down and I want to ask some questions and I want to point out some stuff. And the first thing I'd like to bring out is this. If you were going to tell your story would you make yourself look good? Okay, no, seriously, if someone came up to you and said, okay, listen, everybody's got to hear your story, okay? You tell the story, I'll write it down. Would you want yourself to look good? And I just want you to know, if I had to tell my story, I'd want myself to look great, okay? And that's the part of me telling my story that I don't like. But it kind of gives an idea of why we should lean in a little bit to the stories that these men tell. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The people who wrote the stories wrote themselves as doubters. They're writing a story about how you can believe in Jesus, but they're writing themselves as doubters. This is Peter, the guy who chopped a guy's ear off to defend Jesus. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the night is up. And, Jesus, and Peter said, no way, God, no way. I would have never wrote that. But that's a key part. And the key part is it wasn't Jesus' teaching that changed Paul's life. It was good. It grew him. It stretched him. It made him a great guy. And it would eventually be the things that he would teach us someday but his faith just wasn't there yet. But it was when Jesus rose from the grave that it changed Peter's courage forever. You have Thomas, who we see that John writes in the, the book of John that Thomas was doubting. And in every part of the story says we struggled when he died. In fact, I think we should go there. And today I'd like for you to go to John chapter 19, verse 16. John chapter 19, verse 16. And the book of John in chapter 9 really unfolds some really great things I think every one of us should stop and pause and think about. He's writing to us. Keep that in mind. He's thinking 
that as I write this down, someone's going to read it. So for everybody in this room, I wish you would say to yourself, he's talking to me. And the reason why I want you to think that is because uh, uh, John had absolutely no idea how long in history we would be reading this, but he knew someone would. And that someone is you. And he picks up his pen and he writes this. Guys, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying, him, carrying his own cross, he, he went out to the place of the skull. Uh, th- there they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side of Jesus in the middle. There's a part where John's giving the details of exactly what took place. And so right after this, John is holding Mary, the very mother of God, and they're standing at the base of the cross, and Jesus looks down and says, John, I'm going, but now you are this woman's son, and she is your mother. And John goes into great detail to give you the assurance he was right there. But then he goes on. says, the man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. And he's referring to himself here. He says, I just want you to know, the man who's writing these very words is going to say the absolute truth to you, everything I know and everything I saw with my own eyes. He says, he knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. And I just want to go back and remind you, John's writing to you. I never will forget when it really set into me, when it wasn't just a book anymore, when it wasn't just this cool little thing your mom bought you when you were little or your grandma bought you or on a special day on a catechism or, or, or a church confirmation day or whatever the case was they gave you as a gift. It wasn't just a gift anymore. I remember when the Bible became real for me because I realized it was written to me. And it was written to me by men like John who says, I can't keep this a secret. And it can't be a secret. This is the story. And, and, and John makes it very clear. He says, believe, not in the way that we were scared, not in all of our fears and not in our doubt. But guys, I want you to believe in what happens next. What happens next? John says in verse 38, He says, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Jesus died. And there's certain men he includes here, Joseph. Joseph was like a hidden disciple. He was a man who could be in the midst of very important people, but served Jesus at the same time. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. If you watch the, the... the story, the story of the cross, Nicodemus was a great teacher and rabbi. He was known as the great Nicodemus. He was so well respected among the Jewish teachers, but he never really stepped out and followed Jesus until he saw that he truly was the son of God through his resurrection and death. And Nicodemus shows up this day, and what does he do? He says, the man Uh, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Why is this such a big deal? John's telling you, he was dead. 
Who buys 75 pounds of embalming fluid and mixture unless he really is dead? And we all showed up at his tomb to prepare him for burial. It says, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was the uh, uh, accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was, was nearby, they'd laid Jesus there. John still writes, and he writes this in the fact that we had fears. Our hearts were broken. In John 20, verse 2, it says, they have taken the Lord. This is where things get real. It says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. I just want to stop. So they've buried Jesus. He's in the tomb. And John says the first day with Friday, we're terrified. Saturday, we hid all day. Our hearts were broken. We thought, what have we given our life to? But we had all forgotten the promises that Jesus said he would do. He would come back to life. And then John writes the story. And isn't it interesting how he does this? He says that Mary goes. Mary, a woman, goes to the tomb and see it's empty. And the tomb was completely void of human existence. And because she comes running back and she says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Let me just call a little time out here. It's kind of fun to think the first person to ever preach about Jesus' resurrection was a woman. I just think that's kind of fun. Because this is the point we want to tell them they can't. Here they are. And the very first person to tell the story, his story, is Mary. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And this is the part where you would think, well, here's John bragging. John beat Peter to the tomb. But watch what happens next. John is right and he says, I, I bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but I didn't go in. You know what John's saying? You don't go into a tomb because it's scary. Because <laughs> it's creepy. I mean, I want to see if Jesus is there, and I definitely peeked in, but I'm not going in because just weird things happen in, 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 in tombs. But look what happens next. He picks up in his pen and he says, but then Simon came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he's writing this because everybody who knows Simon knows exactly, exactly what Simon does. Ear chopping off Simon. Shoot from the hip, Simon. You know, Fake it till you make it, Simon. Of course Simon ran into the tomb. He didn't even think about it. But then it says this. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, and he's talking about himself, also went inside. And it says that, he writes these words. He saw and believed. Now, now, this may not seem like much. And this is why every Easter we have to slow down. And it's why they kind of put me in charge of today. So that one guy can say, did you see it? Let's go back to it. It was here 
that he believed. Jesus' teaching were awesome. Jesus' life was great. He was the bread of life, spring of life. Everything about Jesus was perfect. But these were scared men because they didn't know what to do with the death of Jesus. But it was the resurrection. Can we leave that up there? That caused him to believe. How is your believe system? Their believe happened when they saw that everything about the resurrection was true. This is the part where John could very easily end. But John turns to the audience, which is us, with the pen still in his hand, and he says, there's a certain story I have to tell you. I know you may be struggling with this, he he would say. I know that this is hard to believe, but I'm telling you I was there. And if you still struggle because you weren't there, let me tell you about somebody who wasn't there either. You've got a lot in common with a guy by the name of Thomas. And so he picks up his pen again. In John chapter 20, verse 24, he says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. And they're trying to tell him, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. We've seen Jesus. Thomas, you've got to believe. We've seen Jesus. Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. But honestly, I want to propose something. Who could blame him? Who could blame him for doubting? We saw him die. He was on the cross. We've been hunted. We're scared. What are we going to do next? And here's my friends telling me, just believe, just believe, just have faith. And Thomas says these words. I will not believe until I see his hands and see his side. And the scripture tells us that John's writing, he says a week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was there. Through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now that sounds really smooth, but that would freak you out if you were there, okay? A dead man is now standing in a room where he wasn't standing before and he goes, peace. And I'd be like, bah! Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Hey, Thomas, put your hands in my fingers. Put your, what does it say? He said, Put your fingers here. Put your hands in my fingers. He said, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hands and put it into my side. Thomas does it. And it says, that it was in that moment that he believed. But then John picks the last words we have for today. And he writes them for you. In fact, he says this. He says, guys, next verse. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And he said, Lord and my God. Then John looks throughout history and he says, blessed are those who have been seen and yet have believed. Do y'all know that means you? And it means me. 
Blessed are the people who can hear the words of these men who give us testimony even in their death about what they saw was real and that the resurrection can be believed. And he says there's a certain blessing. There's a certain blessing for everybody who hadn't seen but can stop and realize it was real. He writes these last words to you and he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples and these things aren't recorded in this book. But these things are written that you, that you may believe. Believe in what? Believe in the Bible? Did, did, did John write all this down so that we could believe in church? Did, write, did, did John write all this down so that we could believe a pastor? And John says, well, I want you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And I go back to and I tell you, all the things get validation from the main thing being Jesus rose from the grave. Let me just, let me just kind of get your last and final attention. You ready? It, 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 this changed my life. I mean, think about a kid growing up in church his whole life, and he's just told to believe. You just need to believe. You just need to believe. You just need to have faith. You just need to have faith. Well, how do you have faith? Well, you pray more. You need to pray more. Man, I, I, I prayed. I, in a 24-hour day, I prayed 25 hours. <laughs> Don't you think that would be enough? And it's still, I struggle with my belief. Uh, the Bible, I love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. But there are certain things that I struggle with about the Bible. And, and, and some of them, most of them, is, it has to do with me. I tend to read and forget whatever I read. And now I'm thinking, I'm the problem. And how come if the Bible's real, how come I can't remember it? And I, I, I just, y'all ever have chatterbox in your head when it comes to your faith? Just, just all the things talking to you. There's dinosaur questions we could talk about today. There's evolution questions. There's, there's, there's why did this happen to me questions. Go down the list. But can I stop and tell you that the same things you struggle with, the same things I struggled with, and you know what was the thing that threw everything back into God's corner is when finally I sat down and asked if I really believed that Jesus rose from the grave. And that's when I opened Scripture. And this whole scripture that we just read a minute ago, it didn't come from sermon school. I want you to know, it didn't come from a cookie cutter, here's your message, go preach this internet denomination. This genuinely came from Ty Bean reading the very words of John and realizing a few things. And it's a few things I hope you realize today. Number one, John was writing to us. He didn't have to. He could have just had a great life, had a wonderful experience, known that Jesus rose from the grave and standing in heaven today. But he couldn't imagine the world not knowing what he saw with his own eyes. 
and experienced and interviewed people to see what they saw as well. And so he picked up a pen and he just began to write. And he had, he had no clue who you were, but he knew he wasn't going to be the last one on this earth. And he wrote. And he wrote not asking you to believe in Jesus' teachings. He said, that'll come later. I don't want you to believe just because I said so. I want you to stop and listen to everything we saw that day. And I just want you to believe in the resurrection. And everything else will come after that. Today for our Easter service, several years ago, I thought, how would it be if every Easter we go back to the resurrection? There's not a fancy message. There's not an illustrated sermon. There's not a human video today. It's just a simple stop and pause and ask, do you believe that Jesus rose from the grave?